0: Hello and welcome to episode 201 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason, and I'm Angel, and we've pried the cardboard away from our eyes long enough to bring you this episode, which we're calling Virtual Boys, because we'll be sharing impressions of Labo VR along with its new modes in Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey. Um, yeah, it's a lot of cardboard, but there's also things beyond the cardboard. Like there, there's more to this episode than meets the newly freed cardboard eyes. Don't hurt if yourself you, well, this is difficult anyway. We've got analysis of Nintendo's latest financials, uh, the will they won't they of the rumors of a switch mini and where it is. It? Um, thoughts on new game amount, announcements like Persona 5 coming to Switch, but it's not actually Persona 5, it's just a different Persona 5 that's also called Persona 5. And uh, at the very end of the show, the announcement of last episode's eShop credit winners. There are two of them, so um, you can use reti- the timestamps at roundtown.com. For on this blog post, episode 201, or, or if you're on YouTube, right under uh, the video, we have link, quick little links to get you to where you wanna go, or if you wanna come along for the whole ride, uh, we're gonna we're gonna kick it off by actually doing things a little backwards. We're gonna go back to the games we've been playing, which are um, Labo and Smash. Like, normally, we save that for the end of the show, but one big takeaway from Nintendo's financials is that no matter what spin or story there is around Switch's hardware performance, uh, which, which to be fair, it did come in under Nintendo's own already reduced estimates, but uh, no matter what the story is there, the takeaway from the financials is that it's all about the games software is what carried Nintendo to a 39% profit increase this past fiscal year, and as such it kind of only feels right to talk about two very big and very significant new releases that Nintendo just put out these last couple weeks, which is the Smash Bros 3.0 update uh, which was a big enough deal to like knock out their servers for four hours which was kind of insane when it first went live. Like, it's 2019, how does that happen? But we're talking about that, and we're talking about Labo. Uh, but let's start with Smash. The 3.0 up- update came out, like, basically with only a day's warning. It comes with pretty much what we thought it was going to have. Like, last episode we speculated, oh, the stage builder will be there, there'll be support for Smash World in the game and on the smartphone app, and of course there will be all the Joker DLC. So it's here. Smash Extraordinaire Angel, what are your thoughts on Joker? How you like him or not like him?
1: Um, happy to report he's not annoying to fight against. I mean, he's as annoying to fight as any character in the game, but he's not obnoxious like Simon and Richter. He's just, he's not an entirely keep away character. He mm-hmm. has to get in close. He has to fight you. He's not that scary when he doesn't have his persona active. But then when he does have his persona active, it's like you're fighting a speedy Ganondorf. Mm. Which is scary. That's interesting. Because opponent. Ganondorf, you just don't want to get touched by him, and that's kind of how he is when he has his persona. Um, do you like actually
0: playing as him, or are you just kind of like looking uh, at him as an I opponent?
1: I played as him for a while, and I just I didn't really like how he handled. But I mean, that's just me. I mean, right, every right. Car- every character is so different from each other. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, but that's fine. I didn't expect him to. Um, I mean, I also have like no real connection to Persona. I mean, I know a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. He's a it's just a really well-designed character like i mean even i don't even though i haven't played persona like i obviously still looked up some of the you know some gameplay footage from the original game and stuff like that and just some other videos just kind of showing like what all the little nods are and it is really cool just how much attention to detail was put there be it like gun hold by nintendo or if whoever made persona i always forget axis uh, uh, atlas it? atlas um yeah it's always one of those two um, yeah, pretty much. All the
0: JRPGs are either Access or Atlas. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Sometimes yeah, whether Axis or Atlas were the ones that really, like, gunning for, I don't know, I guess that many references or, I guess, little nice nods. But it was really cool. Everything was really stylish. The mm-hmm. the victory screen, the stage itself. Yeah, I love, sta- I love the stage. I love
0: that two-tone color thing, the accent color thing they do. Like, his attacks have it, the victory screen has it. The stage has it, and then it changes color depending on which persona game the music's playing from. Like it's 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 very cool.
1: It's also nice that without hazards, that game is actually very tournament viable, which is nice. Cause I mean, the stage, the stage, yeah, yeah,
0: because good old uh, Momentus, I think is what it's called. Right? Mementos, mementos,
1: yeah, you know, like a little memory, yeah, like that. Yeah, it uh, yeah, should start with a U. No, it's, it should okay. be it should be mementos. I don't know. I didn't really get a super good look at the name. I'm pretty. <laughs> sure. I'm, I'm like. I was. 100%. We got two
0: out three syllables. I was. was I was one hundred
1: percent sure it was mementos until you brought this on. You might be right, actually. But this
0: is a good demonstration of how neither of us are really big uh, persona persona fans. Wow. And I know there's one person listening. That's I, I have myself, who is a friend of ours in real life, and it's just he's gonna chew us out so hard for not knowing how to say that stage and for, sec- for a fact I almost forgot persona's name. <laughs> like never gonna hear the end of it. But you know who you are. But um, uh, you're saying I have played one persona game. Yeah, I actually played Persona 2 on, uh,
1: with a friend back in high school. I played Persona 1 on PSP, and it was nothing like any other Persona. This was after Persona 3 and 4 were already a thing, I believe, because mm-hmm. they got that game late, and I just remember thinking, like, wow, this is way different. But, I mean, the whole capturing monsters or convincing them to join your party versus destroying them was always kind of was still there, but, like, progression-wise, it was way different.
0: It's an O, I'm a fool. It's mementos, yes. I knew it.
1: It's mm-hmm. like Mentos, the Fresh Maker, but with another meh. So, like a mediocre Mentos? Meh, Mentos? Yeah, exactly. I uh,
0: good amount of advice. But,
1: yeah, I mean, overall Joker, nice addition. Glad he wasn't like. He doesn't feel overpowered. He just feels like somewhere between. I don't know, I guess. Cloud and Bayonetta. It's referring to Smash 4, because Bayonetta was really overpowered no she's not no she's not really scary
0: wait so you're referencing a guy in smash 5 to characters that are also in smash 5 but specifically their smash 4 versions
1: because they're basically like different characters I mean just power wise
0: power wise like Like, like how could you find everyone is here can't you find someone in smash 5 to do the
1: comparison with Um, I
0: can't because I don't know enough about the metagame so I'm not going to try I'm just going to call you out without being able to do it myself which is the worst type of calling out
1: uh, he's like a slightly less scary cloud okay yeah, because cloud also has that whole limit mechanic, except I, cloud yeah. is except, except cloud feels scary with and without the limit.
0: I, I will say I do like him more than I thought I would. Like like when Prom Plant came out, my thought was like, oh, he has some neat stuff, but like just playstyle wise, just not for me. But I I do actually really like Joker. I think um, at least for me like part of it's because that whole rebellious nature meter thing he has. Um, it's kind of cool because like. It's almost tailor-made for someone like me. Like, if I'm not mistaken, it builds up quicker if you get damaged. It builds up if you do your down B, which your down B also is both a counter and a reflector, depending on the type of attack, which is cool. Uh, and it builds up over a three-minute period all on its own if you do neither of those things, just much slower, which perfectly matches my playstyle of taking a lot of damage, doing a decent number of counters, and just being really good at avoiding people. So basically, I can easily power up to v to his Persona, uh thing get the extra powers that comes with i like the extra moves like the you know the side b like doubly strong the up b like it he zips up a lot faster it's like it's perfect for me it's made for a guy like me it's like oh you're not great here's some ways you can be better in short bursts in between your lack of greatness and i appreciate that tremendously
1: hmm. and he's stylish while doing it curious to see how you do with them the next time we have a free-for-all yeah
0: but like seriously like how many characters are like oh yeah just like go ahead and get hit go ahead and do the same move over and over and go ahead and just like avoid attacks i mean cloud I guess, but, but Cloud's heavier, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. So he's like the speed but of he's... like Marth or something, but with the Cloud perks, I guess. Yeah. Perfect for me, that's what I'm saying. Um, but yeah, I do, I do think, you're pretty much the nail on the head, I really do like the style he adds to the game. It's funny because like Persona has, the one thing I know about Persona is that the style, you know, like that pop art two-tone color thing going on. And they were, it, it's like integrated into the game so well that it, it stands out, it's like, it's, it's probably the most stylish thing in Smash, but like, it doesn't actually like, feel out of place at all which was kind of cool, because it very easily could it's all, you know, like, flat, 2D, bright color stuff, and everything else is like, 3D more detailed, but it works it works, um, and even if you like, don't care about Mementos or any of that that stuff, like, or Joker the, the rest of the update was pretty cool too, um because with Stage Builder, you basically have unlimited stages now, forever and always, until they shut down the server um, and, like, the tools are more advanced now, aren't they? Like, you were kind of looking around and seeing some stuff that I don't think was possible in the older Smash Oh, us, yeah. Right?
1: Like, you... I mean, people have done some amazing stuff. I mean, they've made mini-games already. Like, they've mm-hmm. made a working Pong, essentially. That looked, That's cool. That looked pretty cool. And then they have, um... I don't know, like, this really cool-looking Tetris stage that is essentially the Tetris... I mean, it's essentially Tetris. You know, like, the middle yeah. with the blocks coming in, but then on the background... They have a bunch of floating Tetriminos that just look really neat, like something you wouldn't be able to do in past stage builders. Just having multiple layers gives you so much cre like you know, so much creative space to make really so nice. is it levels. just the
0: layers, or have they added other stuff? Like, was there always the ability to have the track that things can go on? Because, like, I know the the stage that we both saw when it first came out, there uh, was the DVD logo bouncing. Oh, there was. Like but that's not, something you could but, do but not before. with
1: the control that there is now. Okay. Like now you can literally draw the path, you can have it swerve within as it's going along the, the conveyor belt. So that just allows like for really cool things. I mean you right. could also now add wind wherever you want. You can now add like manual exploding blocks, different kinds of polygons that I guess you can interact with, like push to the side so that they can knock you over. Like someone made a level called Mars Washing Machine. Uhhuh. Where you're just it's just like a giant hamster wheel going in circles nonstop, but then you have these giant objects that are just like Mario's overalls his hat his underwear and they're just falling on you and getting in the way but you know you couldn't do that before right and more importantly they also have like teleporters like portal styles like we have you go in one way you come out the other one and if you put a bunch of them and it could lead to very crazy scenarios so oh, you know, really interesting
0: so any favorites yet
1: Um like any you
0: saw and you're like I need to get this, download this right now and you've actually played them there
1: were a lot there were a lot that were just really well made um I wonder if that was really funny with Tiny Battlefield. It's just Battlefield but yeah it's super tiny.
0: How tiny is Tiny? Like is there room for all the four combatants or is it like barely?
1: There probably isn't enough room for all four combatants to stand on the bottom. okay. So that should give you a good idea. Yeah that is a good idea. But and then also there's just like a bunch of really funny weird looking ones like um like there's one that's just Shrek for some reason or there's like a bunch of weird attempts at like trying to draw characters, and some are like tongue in cheek, meant to look bad, and yeah. like, some are actually look really good. Like there's a really nice Sonic stage. Do You like, see the Cuphead some... one? The what?
0: The Cuphead one?
1: I don't think I have. It. There's
0: one where they took, and this was cool back to stage bowers. Like it's so artsy now. There's one where they took um, Cuphead's head with straw and Mugman's head with straw, and um, they're just two platforms, and they're standing side by side. And you can jump between them and have two little separate battles or one big battle. And their their heads, they're like where the cup. Opening would be their their cup holes. That sounds inappropriate, but their cup holes um, is where you fight. On what would be the cup hole. It looks really cool.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of cool ones like that, and then of course there's a bunch of other ones that we saw too, like anime characters shaking your booty, or yeah, right. like you're literally fighting on some character from Xenoblade's cleavage.
0: Poor Nintendo, like or first actual fornication.
1: Poor they're Nintendo. Yeah. yeah.
0: After so their servers went down the night this rolled out, right? And then when it came back up, for some reason, they didn't have their moderation in place. And it was flooded with stuff like that for like the first day or two. And like I, it, it, we, We'll link to an article where you can see some examples and whatnot um, in the blog post or episode. But yeah, it was just like so much of it, so fast. And it's like, ooh, Nintendo. Like if someone that works in online community, management, like, Nintendo, you got to like rein this in. They did. It's no longer an issue. But that first day was dicey at best because think about all the kids that would be seeing oh, here yeah. as you put all your fornication and shaking booties or whatever you just said but I, I do like that a lot of stages though in all honesty um, are like actually based on other Smash things like stages that didn't make the cut into Ultimate like someone recreated the Pac-Man maze one from uh, 3DS Smash
1: yeah, there's also really good versions of N64 stages that yeah. didn't make it in and the desk I mean, from pe- the intro people have Smash. tried getting Pokefloats in but that one's probably I mean harder, yeah 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 and uh
0: and also like the way that nintendo implemented the browsing and sharing is just really good like you can look up the top ones you can enter a friend like string of letter friend code like string of letters to um see any specific stage but i think what's coolest is you don't have to even download the stages you can try before you buy so to speak i mean they're free so you're not paying but you can literally just instantly load the stage and play it and then decide do you actually want to download it and then download it which is kind of a cool thing it's like yeah, On-demand stages. Only
1: weird thing that I noticed, at least, like, on one of the stages um, that I tried, it was fine when I tried, when I tested it out. Yeah. But then when I wanted to show it to Elvis, we played on that stage, and then it was very, like, we had a lot of frame drops. Like, oh, weird. Maybe I'm they guess, literally are streaming. Them. I mean, I guess that, um, I'm guessing that stage, no, no, this is, like, offline. Because, mm. I mean, when I tested it, it was fine. Because gotcha. it was just one character. But then offline, after uh... I downloaded it, we were getting a bunch of frame drops. I don't know if it's because maybe... Was there a Whoever built the stage, like used up everything they could possibly do, and they couldn't add any more things. And I guess the game was just at its limit, which is weird because I can only imagine what the game would run if it was like with eight characters. is only two, yeah, the bare minimum. So, yeah, and no items. So that is slightly yeah. concerning. But yeah, but that was kind of one of the ridiculous stages, the more ridiculous ones.
0: Right. Right. I do think, though, that, like, like just to reiterate, like, the, the discoverability they did for the stages is really good. Like, it's really easy to find cool stages. Like, whether you find them online yourself, whether you find them in the app, and then just queue them up to download on your Switch, whether you find them on the Switch. Like, it's really good. And it's kind of cool because they took those mechanisms and they, like, all of the broader Smash World project that's now, like, out there, which is both in the game and in the app, like, it's, it's cool because they... Took those mechanisms and stuck them in there too for everything. Like basically, what Nintendo did, like honestly, is they took the scraps of all their past attempts at social networks across all their old different platforms and just kind of stitch them back together with Smash DNA. So like, and I mean, I mean, like literally all of them. You know who developed Smash World on the phone within the Switch Online app?
1: Who developed Smash World? Let me tell you, it
0: was Hatena. They're the guys that did Nintendo's very first foray into online sharing with Flipnote Studio. They developed Smash World. So they got those guys doing it. Then they bring back stuff like, uh, you know, our MeVerse. Like you can download Me Fighters, just like you used people download Me's. You can share and, uh, you know, videos and photos in the app. You can yeah stuff, just like MeVerse. It's basically MeVerse Smash Bros. Edition. But it's just kind of interesting to see them take all these little lessons they learned from all these different things and sort of pull them together. And it, it's pretty good. I think if I had like one nitpick, it probably be that sharing video clips on of of Smash from the video editor within Smash is kind of weird. Like basically correct me if I'm wrong, but from my understanding, all oh. the game does is give you an image with a custom code on the image, and a Smash Bros. Walmart on the image, and you share that image, which then, with you, with that code, you go back to Smash Bros., enter the code, and you can watch the video. Which in and of itself isn't weird, until you realize that the entirety of the videos are hosted by YouTube Gaming. Meaning, they already exist in some sort of, oh, I don't know, very accessible web player that's on the biggest video site on the planet. So, it seems odd that you have to go through all these extra hoops just to share a video you compiled using the cool new editor because Nintendo doesn't want to give you a YouTube link, I guess. I don't really... Like, they're cool sharing everything through the normal share button on the Switch, but this requires this weird workaround. It's weird to me. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's really the only nitpick I have. I don't know if you've messed with Smash World much, but, like, I'm kind of impressed with it on the Switch Online app, to be honest. Like, it's definitely more limited.
1: I mean, but... it's... It does its job. Yeah, it does its But job. it doesn't do anything I care about. Yeah, I think they is just it, implemented it well. I think there's some I mean, stuff... Yeah, yeah, it's more like it's just implemented. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it does cool stuff.
0: You can flag your stages for all download, You can look, at, right, what's like, but, but, you can look at what's trending. You can look at what's popular. Like, it,
1: it literally only has to do with stages and videos and pictures. And that's yeah, the, the weird thing... Like, there's no messaging. There is no, like... Any kind of... I'm ma- talking about strictly Smash World.
0: That's like Smash Not World. the broader... Yeah, Smash World. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, there's no messaging because
1: Switch Online doesn't offer messaging. I'm talking about I within the confines no, of no, Nintendo's stupidity. Right. But, I mean, but there's, no, there's no any kind of, like, stat tracking that, like, Splatoon has. Like, I that's like, true. Oh, that's true. I would have loved to see, like some, like, some Nintendo online stat tracking. Like some of the elite Smash like what are the current top players what are the current like best characters being used like maybe like that would be nice and they obviously track all the stuff because that's pretty much what they were doing for fun for their um, I forgot the, what they were called but like every week or maybe like every month they would have like in Smash 4 mm-hmm. they would have these things where it's like alright if you're using it's like robots versus humans, and then if you pick a robot character, oh yeah, yeah, you get points if you yeah. win, and you win and blah blah blah, and then at the end it of the it sounds like Party
0: Crash in Arms, but yeah, before Party, like Party Crash. Crash, yeah, yeah,
1: but they haven't brought that back, and I thought that like that'd be cool to make. They may do still, it they have to do more beyond three or, or just in general, just have like how like. I wonder how Bowser's doing overall. Like,
0: you know. Oh, that'd be cool.
1: But even if I tap on my profile, like, there's literally nothing there except for your spirits and posts.
0: So, yeah, here's the thing that, that kind of I'm confused by. Which is I the post nothing. is just a news feed. Uh, I don't understand why they have you have the ability to organize your spirit team over, say, like a feed of your friend's smash activity. Like, it's cool what they offer. But, yeah, now that you mention it, now that I think about it. Why can't we see what our friends are doing in Smash specifically? There is no like friend feed, you know what I mean? Like, you can look at the stages from your friends or the video, whatever, but there's no way to like compile them all in one place and you just go through them and see everything, which seems like a very big missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. And then think about it in that feed, they could put stats about like, hey, your friend is in the top however many percentile of Bowser players this month. Give yeah. Little, yeah. And, and, like, there's a lot of cool engagement. Because I, like, there.
1: even if I go to like, say, the section where it's like, like if you go tap on the Smash World icon on the bottom or the Smash Brothers icon. Yeah. And then you can search for videos, it's like, all right, maybe I want to see some good Bowser videos, like, as in, like, competitive Bowser. But it's just going to give you videos of Bowser. Yeah. So Now, they
0: are ranked by some algorithm that's supposedly yeah, based on the top that's, players. It's probably but popularity, is, but yeah. if
1: I just look at, like, the way they're sorted here, like, within, like, the first five, few videos, you can yeah. tell a lot of them are casual. Just based on, like, the stage you're playing or, like, what what's going on. I mean, like, the first one is just items. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of random. I wish it was. I mean, not that they have to get rid of this part. This part is fine, but
0: just more granularity but, and features. Like,
1: but like Street Fighter Five, um, e- that game had the option like after every match, you could upload your game, or I think you have the option to just allow your game to be recorded and uploaded automatically. Uh uh-huh. So that when you go to the leaderboard, because they actually have like a proper leaderboard, because you know it's a fighting game. Uh-huh. Um, you could tap on Crazy any- Talk. Crazy. Like I, could, like I could literally go to the number one player, and then I could see his yeah, yeah. Like, like some of, like examples of some of his games that I recorded. Or like, conversely, I could rank by character and just be like, oh, okay, so let's see what the top, what the best that got in the world right. plays like, or the third best Chun Li or whatever. Right, right. Like I want to see what like the best Bowser plays like, or the best blah blah blah. Like they have all that data. Why what, can't they do it? What's
0: funny about that is like. Because I was impressed with what they had. Because I'm in the Nintendo bubble. Like I'm not used to like what do the other guys do for something like this specifically. So hearing all that, I'm like, wow. I take back what I said. Smash World is not great. Like it seemed great when you're ignorant to the because this options. is stuff
1: like I w- I wouldn't mind seeing when I'm already playing the game. Yeah. Like so, as far as I'm concerned, like there's like literally nothing for me to do in Smash World
0: except maybe flag stages to download.
1: Yeah. If Even that, but you might but want but, but at that point, it's like are. you I have no reason to do ever look for stages outside of when I'm playing Smash Brothers. Yeah, others. yeah. When, I, when, in fact, like sometimes I would want to see like who's kind of moving up on the tier list or right, right. who are, I guess in the brackets and stuff like that. I yeah, that's a I, fair point. I'm sure a lot of people, and maybe I guess for people that are just way more into the stage side of things, will get a lot more out of it. Yeah. I mean, it does seem kind of cool that you could always be looking at stages, mm-hmm. but...
0: And yeah. I think you know, I think it's one of those things that like they can update the app with more features. Much like Smash itself will probably update with more features. I'm sure over time we're gonna see new uh, stuff in the app. The you end think this is the, it? Yeah, this is the end of Smash Bros. You know, they have a year of DLC to do still. Yep. Okay. Well, never mind. But I was gonna say like, it, and, and like part of the reason I think they're doing that is if you look at the Switch Online app, they're slowly but surely building this thing out. Mortal Kombat 11 is the first third-party game to let you do voice chat through the app. Saints Row the Third is going to let you do voice chat through the app. I'm not saying it's necessarily the right route. Obviously, the voice chat solution sucks. But the fact that they're padding it out with more stuff means they understand that, like, they need to uh, offer more. Like, as is, there are 9.8 million accounts that have uh, active Switch Online subscriptions. That's about one in every three Switches. And presumably, that will grow if they keep adding features both on the Switch and in the app. And I'm starting to realize like, it's not, it doesn't need to be one-size-fits-all like I think we always have kind of assumed it should be. Like, oh, everyone, every game needs access to everything. Everyone should have something in the app. Everyone should have this. But what I realized is, uh, no, it, not really. You just need something that will entice people. In the same way Netflix oh, like does a whole crazy selection of stuff and then there's certain things for certain audiences, I feel like that's kind of where Nintendo's going with Switch Online. And I say that because during the financial briefing, um, which we'll cover a little more in depth later, They mentioned that 2.8 million of those 9.8 million uh, Switch Online accounts have played Tetris 99, which, you know, is is a huge mistake for 7 million people that haven't. Like, what are you doing with your lives? Why haven't you played Tetris? But but it demonstrates you can still have a great value add without it needing to care to everyone at once in exactly the same way. Because, like, maybe some of those 2.8 million who have played Tetris don't care about the competitive side of Smash or about Smash World at all, you know, on their Switch or on their phone. So it's really more of like a suite of services all under a one $20 per year umbrella. And within that, they can do different things. So within that, it'd be cool if they made multiple offerings for Smash to cater to different audiences. Or they maybe do more games like Tetris 99 to cater to different audiences or have voice chat work in different ways for different people. But the fact that they're saying, hey, we're going to do different... Like they're showing, they're doing different stuff. They're diversifying it. Kind of gives me hope that they might address some concerns over time. It might, not, it might just not be exactly in the way we want them to, but I think they are somewhat aware of these sort of things. So maybe there's hope for an update in some capacity. I just don't know exactly know what or when or how or for which games even. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, any other just thoughts? Super Nintendo. What? Just they still need to do Super Nintendo. Nintendo. You know what's funny? When the financial uh, briefing was happening, there's a guy who sits there and tweets, live tweets, an analyst – and he misread the Famicom logo as a Super Famicom logo, and said they confirmed uh, Super Nintendo games. And was like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" Nintendo minutes later, He's like, "Yeah, that was a typo. I, mean, I apologize." And games. every and, and well, I don't know if their stock went that to- their stock in Nintendo fans' hearts went down. Your phone is ringing.
1: It is. This is a busy office.
0: It sure is an office. <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, it's um yeah. So that was Smash. Unless you have anything else about Smash?
1: Um no, not really. I mean. Video are what they are. Audio is what it is. Audio picture are what now, they are. Now your phone's talking. So many...
0: Ooh, it was a it was a prank or a a robocall this whole time. I um, Of all exciting things. Stuff. Anyway, exciting stuff. Anyway.
1: Yeah, but no, nothing else to add about Smash. Uh,
0: yeah. So I guess the other biggie in that case is, of course, Nintendo Labo's new VR kit, which uh we've tried it three different ways now. There's the core starter. I like how we just totally brushed off at the phone ring. We used to, like, back I mean, in the day... I
1: to, like, panic and yes, about I it? Yes, I think
0: we should just upend the table we're at, just have mics come crashing down, and just run out of the room and just cancel I mean, the podcast forever. The phone.
1: People know... Cancel the though.
0: podcast forever. No, um...
1: I agree. No, <laughs>
0: no uh, Labo. What I was going to say is the, the other biggie is Labo. Um, So we got to try the, the core starter kit. Uh, it comes with the goggles and the blaster gun. And we I tried at least uh modes in both Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild. But before we even get to like the VR itself, this was your very first labo building experience, right? Like you, you were helping a little bit, you never have done it before. So I'm curious, what do you think of the whole Labo everything? Like the process. What like what Labo is, what's your take on takeaway
1: on it? Um still not worth it. Um I still wouldn't buy it on my own. Right. But it was it was fun. It was fun building the the labo toy con. Yeah, the toy cons. I forget what they're called. Um, yeah, I mean it was fun. I can't deny that. Um, so they, I just... it, you do tend to you do appreciate like how intricate the the fold the fold placements and just the design of the cardboard like as you're building it. Yeah. But yeah, the fact that it's just kind of like a one and done thing. Like I wish like. Honestly, like, I feel like the building process was more fun than what I played in VR.
0: Yeah. I mean, we'll get to that in a minute, but, but yeah.
1: But, yeah, it's a shame that the, what I think is, like, the best part of Labo is it's like, a one-time thing. Right. Unless you want to Which is like why it's disposable. In.
0: But, uh, yeah, it, it is impressive, to your earlier point, though. It is impressive how it all, like, just comes together. Not just in terms of, like, the shape it takes, but, like. You know, with just some cardboard and yeah, rubber bands. Yeah, the ingenuity band. is very yeah, cool. Exactly. Like, with some cardboard, some rubber bands, with, I, I get, I feel like this was cheating, but they had a couple plastic washers in there with the VR kit, which I never had before. But even including I mean, they that.
1: To
0: I know. But, like, with just those few things, it's cool that we were able to make a fully functional blaster you can cock back and shoot, complete with tactile feedback, a visual indicator of what state it's so in, you know, cocked or not, and a satisfying thump every time you shot. Like, that is cool considering it started, it's just some sheets of cardboard. Uh, and then once of course once you have everything built then it's time to jump into vr and you know like i i know you're saying it's not worth it but like for in your opinion but like for 40 bucks it's pretty legit like the like the vr like obviously it, t- it can't do depth tracking like playstation vr the screen door effect is more noticeable because switch's screen is only 720p so you can see those pixels but like it has all the gyro it works pretty well and for at least the labo software itself it feels like they used an art style where the screen door doesn't really jump out as much because everything's like colorful and simple and blocky opposed to say when you slide into breath of the wilds vr mode and it's like oh yeah this is fuzzy and a little jagged looking but in like the normal vr kit games it was, it was actually like totally fine and you know it has all the typical nintendo flourishes you'd expect there's a silly little animation when you split the screen in two for vr use like, it does this thing where like this one the screen splits into two bubbles and makes a stretchy noise uh it can detect when the switch slides out of the headset and goes back into 2D mode automatically with a little note about how to change it back if you want, which is kind of nice. Uh, I even like how they turned. I don't exactly know how they did this, but there's a spot on the top of the headset with a little circle, and if you tap it twice, it acts as a confirmation button, and it, oh, it's on top of the headphone jack. So I think the same way that if you like tap the end of a head of like an amp cord, it makes kind of that zzz, zzz noise. I feel like they sort of somehow did that in reverse. So it's like detecting the tap on the headphone jack, which is which is pretty cool. It's pretty neat. Um, but yeah, like it, it's good for what it is. But it, actually, you know what else I'm surprised by? That thing's actually not that uncomfortable to hold with no head strap. I thought it would be worse. It didn't feel especially heavy in the short burst that's made for. In a lot of instances, you're actually keeping the Joy Cons attached to the sides of the Switch when it's up to your head, so you're just holding a normal Switch but higher up. Like it. It, it's actually pretty comfortable. Like, again, in short bursts. I mean, did you, using it, did you have any, like, comfort issues or.
1: Not comfort issues, but it was just weird.
0: A little. And you are literally holding a switch, like, four inches from your face, and it's apparently not. Like, I'm
1: used to, I mean, I've played pretty much, at this point, like, a good amount of just VR in general. Right. So, having the, um, you know, the convenience of not having to hold it yeah. is really nice. I guess like once you've that, anything else just feels like kind of annoying. I mean but, the only I mean it's not uncomfortable, but I mean the only games like where I guess it really works is just like you know, like the, the one where you have to build the gun and you shoot with it just because you're yeah. holding the gun and like the and gun, the gun becomes your scope. Yeah, it's and... an it's an immersive part of it. But for games like the one where you're just controlling a little car or the alien spaceship or the little person running the maze, mm-hmm. like it just feels like uh, I really I feel like I shouldn't have to be holding it like this. Like I'd rather just be lying down on the bed and putting the Joy-Con on the side, which I guess you can do, but that kind of sucks. That that's the only way, unless you jerry-rig it to your head.
0: Right, and they do sell head strap stuff. Like it's funny because I also had a different—I had a different reaction because I—I uh, I don't have a PlayStation VR like you guys do. <laughs> um, I don't have—I've done VR a bunch, but I don't have like the only like personal VR experience I've had at home is like the Google Cardboard, which also you hold to your head. So like, I was kind of used to that, but I think. I think part of the reason I'm okay with it is it's short-term stuff. Like, it doesn't work long-form. It works for little bursts and stuff. And that's why I feel like in the software itself, you kind of alluded to these already. But, you know, what we got in the Star Kit was one gun you get to play um, some shooter games with. And then there's also a sort of, of like, these WarioWare-style interactive toys that they call the VR Plaza. And these range from many games, like um, like you're talking about with the maze where you're, like, peering into a diorama of sorts. And you're controlling this block, man, so that like, kind of goes up a series of platforms or much simpler ones like there's objects flying around you and you can slow down time by pressing a button it's basically a series of like different experiments and demos that just use VR in different ways With many of them kind of feel more like spiritual successors of the 3DS's 3D effect like just more in your face, like more directly in front of you, but it's the same idea of like you're looking into something and it's kind of like a little shoebox or a deal, um, some emphasize that diorama feeling more than others I think the vehicle one, You did you mention the vehicle? I know you talked up the vehicle when we were playing it you thought that was kind of cool, right? No, yeah, the, the 3D yeah. effect looked cool. I mean, at yeah. that point,
1: I was still just, like, impressed by the 3D effect. Yeah,
0: and that's, yeah. that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, like, that diorama feel. Like, the, th- the vehicle one did it pretty well. And that's literally just, you're in a, you're looking in a square, and there's just a vehicle driving around, and you just move the controls
1: also, like, change the camera so that the right. car literally just goes over you, which is really cool. And then the
0: UFO one does something similar, yeah. too. That's also kind of diorama looking in third person, but you control the little UFO, and
1: what was that you were doing? Were you shooting yourself with it or something? Yeah, it, you could fire little pellets, and right. you're just firing... At my face so that i could see the 3d
0: yeah and then like some other of these toys really like kind of flex that 3d effect muscle more like there's one called um i don't remember what it's called it's something with bowling but it's not actually bowling you don't you don't um bowl you free a bowling ball that then hits things and of course one of the times you free it the ball comes lunging at you directly in 3d which is kind of cool but i, th- I think some of the more interesting ones um which maybe to your point that they should do a headset are ones where you hold the VR headset in one hand and then interact with the world using a Joy-Con in the other hand, like a separated Joy-Con. Like some have you throwing basketballs, complete with a little score counter, and then there's like one where you're kind of making a ragdoll dance by swinging it around. It's all very tech demo-y. I don't even think the ones with scores keep a high score for you. I think it's the just you do it and then it stops. Uh, at least I don't remember otherwise. But it shows... I think what it really shows is there's a lot of variety in what you can do with a cheap like forty buck headset like this. Um, but really, it's the gun game that you're buying this for. Like the gun game, the blaster game is the me the experience. Basically, basically, an Nintendo made an arcade style on rail shooter, and you're taking out various aliens in various environments. It's pretty basic, but it works because you have that giant tactile gun in your hands it's going thunk every time you shoot it. And because they use the vr to give like a sense of scale for boss fights and whatnot it just feels immersive you got this gun that feels immersive you got these bosses that have that you have to like look up at because they're so big it's it's pretty fun i mean you know it's typical arcade games based around high scores so you actually can like we did this we turned it into a multiplayer experience where we were just passing the gun back and forth apparently there is i only found this out after the fact separately there's a proper two-player mode where you compete um, to launch fruit at hippos who are sitting in a swimming pool or like a pond or something, but you know it's either way, like you can do multiplayer with this, which is a little harder with other v r the 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 odd thing is, and I think you made this point when we were playing you can 't see what the other players' doing, so even like even when we were doing the handoff of the alien shooter like on rails, the high scores are like a purely trust thing you can 't see what they did, you can 't see how they performed you can't see how they got to that score. But uh, what well, I think it demonstrates well is that like Nintendo cooked up this whole crazy cardboard VR idea. They very cleverly built around the limitations of Switch hardware. And they realized, okay, the way you make this work is a little short burst of gameplay that you can trade off on. Whether you're trading off with yourself between modes, whether you're trading off with a friend. Like, it, it works. And when the VR experience in, with Labo lines up with this idea of quick and simple, it's actually pretty cool. And it's pretty fun. And I enjoyed it. Uh, I think like a good example of how this can work beyond just Labo itself is probably the integration they did for Mario Odyssey. So you did not get to try this because it came out after we brought the Labo here. But I was playing it um, today, actually. And in Odyssey, the Toy-Con VR goggles are specifically used for a separate mode called playing in VR. And how it works is the mode features three kingdoms. You play from a a fixed spot, but Mario – or you're viewing it, I should say, from a fixed spot. But Mario is free to run around in like a little scaled-down section of each of these three kingdoms. So your your goal is to collect music notes music notes, which then turn into instruments that you can give to musicians who are all over each of the three little areas and as they get their instruments they start playing a song and like in New Donk City with the main game you slowly build a band and they do a gig and then you're done. So you find four instruments or no three instruments, a hundred coins and then it's on to the next level. At least any level you've unlocked a kingdom for. This isn't its own separate progression. You still need to get to those kingdoms in the main game and then they open up in this mode. And, you know, it's super simple. Uh, but it, it's pretty fun, even with its limitations. Like, it's kind of cool how you have, like, a full 360-degree view. You're kind of basically at this, like, set vantage point. Mario will run in and out of the area. You can control him from where you are. Um, there's the option to, like, zoom in if he's far away. You can hit Z and It kind of does a double, like, zoom scope on him so you can see what's going on. Um, and then you can also recenter the camera viewpoint with clicking the right stick should you need to. But for the most part, it's just you and Mario kind of, like coexisting inside these worlds and yeah they're grainier than they should be because the goggles and the screen door effect but but i don't know it's 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 it really it's kind of fun like it it you, you remain stationary that's kind of the weird thing is like you're like this weird embodiment of a person that can't move like I, I i think of it kind of as like you're the Lakitu from r64 but your clouds stop moving so you're just a cameraman standing in a set spine. like well i can turn around um but it so so it really leans on the idea of like you have to look into the world and you have to kind of like you know Mario might be blocked by an obstacle, but they still show show his silhouette, so you're kind of dancing around that. But like it's a little weird. But I found that if if you're in a spinning chair and you're seated there, you can get you know you can spin around, get the full view. Um, it can be pretty fun. It's very simple, very gimmicky. Don't get me wrong, but it's like a neat little like bonus if you have the headset anyway. Now on the flip side contrast that with something like breath of the wilds vr which adds it to the entire game and i'm yeah this one i don't feel works as well like basically you're taking the game you're throwing the blurry screen door effect um on top of it and you're making it a bit dizzying because what they did is they allow for head movement to look around the world kind of like as like a free range separate from uh link's movement but it's done in such a way that link is always in frame so if you try and look it's like it's like not one-to-one so if you try and look in certain directions it gets like weird and twists and tilts it's kind of like you're on like this weird like 180 degree axis that doesn't quite go with the way you want to go and that can get a little dizzying that can get a little weird um but i think the bigger thing that i don't like about breath of wilds vr is you don't really do much with it like sure when you're swimming or crouching it feels like you're right there with link a little more because the camera comes in pretty close and you know, like kind of like with the blaster game, what I was saying, like bosses look bigger and more, and enemies, any enemy looks bigger. Like even if you're just running around um the overworld and bump into someone, it, there's a scale to some you don't feel as much. But that's it. It just feels like you're holding Zelda up to your face, like way closer than you should be. Probably because you're holding Zelda up to your face, way closer than you should be. So I don't know. I think I think the takeaway is like. Where, where Labo VR shines is again like in the short bursts. Um, the software that comes with it understands that Mario Odyssey understands that with that little side mode Breath of the Wild doesn't really accommodate for that and I feel like that it's hurt as a result of that um, and it's very likely all this is due to Switch's hardware not being up to snuff for like true VR but I think what's kind of cool is Nintendo was able to build around that They were able to still deliver interesting different VR experiences they are still kind of worth trying. You just have to view Labo VR like not as this game-altering accessory. It's not like a Wii Zapper that whole game could be built around. It's, It's a $40 Amiibo. What you're getting is a toy. A toy that does some neat little things in other games you may already own or buy in the future, but it won't revolutionize them. It won't drastically alter them. It's just kind of a fun little side thing. And if you're cool with that, I recommend LabO VR. If you want something more like meaty, like a real VR experience, which I think is kind of what you were angling at, Angel, then no, this is not. This is not it. So it's really just your it's really just what you want out of it, essentially. Nintendo found a way to do their own thing with VR. It's kinda of like either you accept it or you don't, but it does not mesh with what traditional VR has been in gaming. That's kind of my takeaway. I All feel right. like. So. so it really is just a $40 ami- amiibo, the more I think about it. Like,
1: yeah, and you know, look where those ended up.
0: They're still—they're the only Toy to Life left, and they're still selling. And there's three more coming out in July for Smash.
1: Yeah, but they're no—I mean, like for the people that own them. They're oh, just, they're just—they're
0: supported by like a dozen games. It's just whether yeah, you want not, to do it or not. Not really thing much. Lost well, my point. It's whether you want
1: to do it or not. That's it, like, because they're barely. I don't know. They're. I don't know. I was gonna say it's the carbo would be almost like a step above the amiibo, because I mean the amiibo. Yeah, would
0: be something more interactive for sure. Yeah, but I'm just saying it's kind of like the, it's less of a like oh it's a whole new control style it's a whole new way of playing more just like hey it's a fun little thing you can do in pseudo 3D. Yeah,
1: just have some marker support and then we'll see. How would that work? How would you hold it? I guess you need a head strap. You yeah, would need the head strap. I mean, people have really been them. You can buy them. But I mean, they have a Make pedal. They have the steering wheel. Yeah. I mean, might as well complete the whole illusion. That's
0: true. You might as well. But you know, whether or not like Labo VR proves to be anything successful at a broader scale kind of remains to be seen but it is kind of the piece of like the bigger puzzle that is the current state of Nintendo and what their goals are and what they're trying to achieve and uh as you're saying at the top of the show Nintendo just put out their financials the other day and there were no like megaton level news stories like a like a Switch Mini um and <laughs> I will have things to say about that a little later but there was nothing quite Switch Mini scale but even without news of that caliber um I don't know. The financials, they, they serve as like a nice check-in of Nintendo's thinking and to kind of show what the bigger picture is, how it all fits together if you will. So with that said, uh, might as well jump into it a bit. I imagine that overall their thinking is pretty positive. They're probably in a pretty good state in mind because uh, like I said up top they turned a profit this year that was 39% higher than their previous fiscal year. They made $1.7 billion. That's just from April 1st, 2018 to this past March. Wow. And their revenue... As in, like the cash they took in regards to profit, ten point seven billion dollars. So they they are making money. That's the highest it's been for Nintendo since literally a decade ago in two thousand nine. And if you look at just the past quarter, so January through March, uh, they brought in profit of two hundred twenty five million, which is five times the profit they made in January through March of twenty eighteen. So they're they're making money. Like clearly, something or multiple some things are in Nintendo's favor. But what's weird is like if you look at the stories about their financials and the response from investors and the analysis, you would think the Switch was tanking or something. You would think it was like falling off a cliff, and it, it's not. Like, fact is, it's doing well. Lifetime sales are at $34.74 million, which means it's officially outsold the N64 in only two years' time. And according to Nintendo's own president, uh, Shintaro Furukawa, he was saying in the financial briefing that Switch is selling at a faster rate than the 3DS ever did on a worldwide scale. And it's outperforming the pace of the DS in the US and the Wii in Japan. So, like the system is doing well. There's this whole thing about, oh, it's not doing well. Why is it not doing well? It's doing well. The problem is, and I kind of said this after their January financials. Um, the problem is that Nintendo pigeonholed themselves into this narrative. They they initially promised at the start of this fiscal year they're going to sell 20 million. They then lowered it after the holidays to 17.5, I believe, million, and now. It might have just been $17 million. But uh, now they just missed that goal and they are sell- They sold $16.35 million over the past year. Which again, not a bad number. It's more than the Wii U ever sold. It's 12.7% higher than what the Switch did the year prior. It's led Switch to be number one on the NPD charts here in the US for four straight months with uh, March's chart, which just came out last week, having it be number one both in terms of units and revenue. Like in fact, according to NPD, Switch has had the... Biggest growth in January to March sales of any current gen system at its peak. So it had a better post-holiday quarter this past quarter than PS4 ever did, percentage-wise, or than Xbox One ever did, percentage-wise. And um, in the what, what's interesting about that is, like, even in the uh, briefing, Furukawa was saying that the growth they saw in January to March. It's a third more, 35% higher than what they saw last January mark. So, like, they are really just chugging along. Again, Switch is doing well. But when you we create a narrative that will do even better than that, and then proceed to not hit that narrative, it's egg on your face. Or, in this case, Furukawa's face. Which I imagine, on some level, must kind of annoy him, because he was not the one who made this goal. Originally, the guy that made his goal was the predecessor, uh, the interim president, Tatsumi Kimishima. He's the one that's at $20 million. And then Furukawa is now stuck being like, I mean, we did sixteen. Right, that's good. Um, I mean, granted, I'm sure like Furukawa, Furukawa was part of whatever brain trust set the 20 million goal, but for all we know, he wanted to pro- maybe go more conservative with the numbers and got overruled. Like, you know, if Nintendo were to have said they expected 15 million sold, we'd be having a much different conversation right now about the the general vibe around their financials. Um, I'm inclined to think Furukawa may have preferred more conservative numbers because for this new fiscal year, Nintendo's only predicting they're going to sell 18 million switches, which, given their lineup, Seems almost too safe of a prediction, but we'll, but we'll talk about that more later. Um, first, there's the undeniable win of Nintendo's financial year, which was stopped. Actually, first, first, first or first, uh, you know, what I noticed because I, I was just saying for Akawa and Kimishima and all these names, uh huh, they're so new, like, even though we've gone through now two presents at Nintendo, it's weird after so many years of always talking about Iwata, or Reggie, or Miyamoto, who's the only one of the three even left anymore. And and that one, Miyamoto, he hasn't even been, like, out in front as a face of Nintendo for a while, at least not in the way he was a few years ago. Like, it's not... I don't
1: blame him after Star Fox Zero.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's not even... The, the thing that that's weird is, like, it's not... It's not like we're just going through a changing of the guard. It's like a complete rethink of the guard's roles. I mean, Iwata was very much the public face of nintendo reggie was very much the public face of nintendo kimishima is was not furukawa for, for Ruka, wow i can't say his name i'm sorry furukawa seems to not be either all of a sudden and with with reggie gone as of last week he's officially retired now it's basically like a whole new ball game like there's not necessarily anything wrong with that change it's just a bit i don't know corporate now like there's something nice about the more personal touch of iwata i feel like like yeah he did the financial briefings but he also did the directs and the iwata asks and i i do get that because he was a developer first but still like i miss it like like let's be honest what do you know about Furukawa? like what can you say about him what thing at nintendo has he done that's like oh yeah that's that guy I don't, know. I don't know. Exactly, I don't know either. Like we knew so much about Iwata because he was out there in the world being like a man of the gamers, and now he got this business dude in a suit. Who we're like, it's weird. It's just a different thing with Nintendo than it used to be. And I think the one thing I could take solace in is the fact that at least Reggie like made a Twitter account for himself after stepping down. I mean, he's not facing Nintendo anymore or connected to them in a real level, but at least like him as a personality, which in reality is really what drew people to him. Like at least that lives on in post-retirement it's just so odd that Nintendo just like made this left turn they they feel more like closed off now I don't know but by the way how, how cool is his Twitter I really like his Twitter like I loved him showing off stuff from around his office the gifts he received
1: it was nice um I don't follow him you don't why would I? Why wouldn't you? He's a nice man. He has nothing to do with Nintendo anymore. His job is done. But
0: you, but he was posting pictures... He picture, served his
1: purpose to I me. I guess. He was posting pictures of, like,
0: all the stuff he got. there. It's actually kind of funny because, like, a bunch of people were reading too much into that, some of the stuff. Like, I mean, uh,
1: I really don't even have to follow him because I follow people that retweet his stuff. Oh, anyway, well, then so. you're good.
0: So you probably saw the Retro Studios gift?
1: Yeah, so I saw that stuff. And mm-hmm. I'm all like, why with, do I need to see this?
0: I know, with the weird robot hand that people are assuming must be Reggie teasing a new project, which it definitely is not, like... Well, for those who don't know what we're talking about, we'll post a link to the story about it on the blog post, but um, I just finally find that, like, so many people were making jokes about, like, oh, he's hinting about Mother 3 in his goodbye post, because if you remove every letter except M-O-T-H-E-R, it spells mother, and then, like, they immediately bond to this idea that clearly this retro studio's image must be a hint of something. Just weird contradictions. <laughs> but, yeah, we'll link to it for anyone who's curious. Um, we digress, though. The, the thing I was getting at where this conversation was actually going is that no matter what lens... You look at like switch hardware through uh, the success story is what those hardware sales are leading to, and or have led to. And in the briefing, Furukawa uh, shared an interesting new metric that Nintendo is starting to use called sales per hardware ratio. So we're used to the traditional idea of a software attach rate that signifies how many games on average each owner of a system may buy, right? But what Furukawa pointed out is that with so much stuff. Existing beyond just the games themselves, you know, DLC, subscriptions, in game purchases, and free to play games, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Perhaps that metric isn't as suitable as it used to be. So, this sales per handheld ratio gives a better picture of how much money each Switch owner on average is dumping to- into the platform, including, like, not just what I mentioned, but, you know, things like new Joy Cons or Pro Controllers or the initial cost of the system or Switch Online uh, subscriptions. And that number combined per Switch is 55,000 yen, which is about 500 bucks, which is interesting because that is $110 more than what anyone, if you average it, poured into the Wii. Or to put it in perspective, they're making a third more money per Switch sold than they made per Wii sold. Hmm. So again, everyone's like, oh, Switch hardware's doing bad, but it's like, hey, Nintendo's making a third more money for every single device sold. They're doing fine. Like Even if they missed their own projection, they are doing fine. And I mean, there are differences, of course, that account for some of that discrepancy. I mean, some games cost more on Switch because they're sixty bucks. We only stopped at fifty. But then on the flip side, a lot of the indie games cost less, so there's a lot of cheaper games than there used to be on Wii. Um, and while the comparison is supposedly lifespan aligned, meaning both numbers cover the same two-year stretch for each system's life, like there's different bundles and whatnot that don't quite line up. So, like furukawa said, it's not a foolproof number for comparison, but it's a pretty good one. It gives a good sense. um and What I thought was kind of interesting is that it demonstrates how much more invested people are in switch like just in general like how much more uh, like they how much more on board they are with the switch and it's a concept that's really apparent in the software sales numbers over the past fiscal year which are frankly insane i mean they sold 118.5 million pieces of software that's 87% more games than they sold the year prior 23 games were million sellers in just the last year like, can you imagine any of these numbers in the Wii U days? They'd be unheard of. And, and looking at just first-party releases, like, that's that's all the games. If you look at just what Nintendo sales have put up or put out, sales are up by 70% this fiscal year compared to a year prior. And if you go even more granular than that, so you just look at January till now, first-party games, in a period where we had no first-party games, we had Mario U, which we didn't care about, there was Yoshi in, like, the last three days, even in that situation, first-party games are up 50% compared to a year ago. Yoshi's Crafted World actually sold a million copies worldwide in just the three days that it was able to be counted before the fiscal year well, ended. Yeah, New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe, and yet, and yet made six
1: hundred million on Thursday worldwide. Worldwide,
0: but Yoshi's Yoshi's Crafted Story is not the ending of an eleven-year story arc that involves more actors or more. Actually, I mean, yes, it, it is. It, All the different yeah, colors it, coming it, together—the It's the
1: culmination of eleven plus years of Yoshi games. They all led up to this game. Literally. Did they? Because yeah. I think they all have the same plot as this game. <laughs> well, I not not saying they were all. Well, I mean, the Marvel movies kind of did too.
0: That's true. Yeah, the, yeah, the origin stories got a little tiresome. Um, yeah. No spoilers about Endgame now. Usually,
1: always end with good guy super suit versus bad guy super suit. Well, of course,
0: that's what every superhero movie is. But yeah, yeah so so Yoshi only and to
1: Marvel's credit, not the last
0: one. But yeah, yeah, uh, and 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 let's be fair to Yoshi, like. Maybe it only made 1 600th of what... Um, that's, that math is wrong. No, that math is right. 1 600th of what Avengers made, but that's still like... I didn't think the game was going to do that well that fast. And then you got New Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe, barely updated 7-year-old port that was brought to Switch. A million copies in two weeks. It has since gone on to sell somewhere between 2.5 and 3 million total copies. So like everything's just selling. And then and then I didn't even mention Smash. You got Smash. That is a bona fide system seller in every sense of the term. Because first of all, in four months... Smash sold 13.81 million copies. That means there are more copies of Smash Ultimate out in the world in four months than there were ever Wii U sold. Period.
1: Oh, wow.
0: It also means it has sold more than Brawl. It also means it has sold more than Smash Wii U and Smash 3DS. Not combined, but individually. It's now not just the top-selling individual Smash Bros. release ever, but also the top-selling fighting game ever in only four months. The record was previously held by Brawl. That's crazy.
1: Do you happen to know what the... No. no. I just know
0: that one because I know Brawl's record was shattered. Or oh. <laughs> not shattered but surpassed by like a couple hundred thousand
1: in four months. Like I wonder what Street Fighter 2 did or I wouldn't uh, imagine like what like... Well keep in mind
0: that was in the arcade heyday so I imagine a lot of people are playing in arcade versus like on their Super Nintendo. Yeah, but I imagine the Super is. Nintendo one was really popular.
1: I mean, I don't know what... I'm mean, just trying to think of what's the first non-Nintendo, what the worst non-Smash? It'd
0: be either Street... I would guess it'd be either it be, Street, it would, Fighter be
1: or, Street Fighter or... a Street or
0: No, no, Mortal Kombat's huge. Mortal Kombat 11 just had the biggest debut of any Mortal Kombat ever.
1: Yeah, but compared to Street Fighter, I never really sold as well. Really? I would think so, yeah.
0: I don't know. I think you might be a little biased because you're a fan of Street Fighter. No, I like them both. Um, all right, here we go. What if I told you it was
1: Tekken? That seems pretty believable.
0: So it goes. Sma- so this this list is as of twenty eighteen. It goes Smash Bros. Brawl, Smash Bros. for three DS, Tekken three, Tekken five, Melee, Street Fighter two, Moral Combat. Moral Combat's only behind by three hundred thousand behind Street Fighter two. You were still right though. You were still right. So there you go. There's not the full ten, but some of it. Mm. Uh, but yeah, so in four months, Ultimate has already surpassed all that. What makes it truly a system seller is um, Furca shared this data. It's only in been a, out for four months. Yeah, came out in December. Yikes! Well, four months. Let me rephrase. Four months till the end of the fiscal year. It's, we're now in month five, but the fiscal year ended on March thirty-first. So, so all cool. this data is only through March thirty-first.
1: I don't know why, but it feels like it's been out for years.
0: Because it's kind of similar to Smash Four,
1: in a way. No, just every game.
0: But uh, yeah, what, may, what, what I think is kind of crazy is um, about this is they have data literally spelling it out as a system Right, like, This is data you didn't have in the pre-internet connected console days. But Furukawa had a chart of the first game people play when they buy their Switch, starting from the start of 2019 up through um, the end of the fiscal year, so March 31st. And of the people who bought Switch from January through March, 26% of them, a quarter of them, immediately started playing Smash Bros. It continues also to be, like, a top seller on the NPD chart. In March, it was number five on month four of its existence. Like, what's particularly interesting is that, according to uh, Furukawa, it's not just, like, the people you would think they are buying the game, you know, the 20-year-old, 30-year-old men. The demographic's not expanding to include other groups, too. So, like, the idea of Smash being this broad, evergreen title for Nintendo is actually happening. It's becoming a reality, like, more so than any other Smash has before because there's that much attention around it, which is kind of interesting. Um, but speaking of other green... Other evergreens. Uh, it's interesting to see that some other games are acting as system stars way after the fact. Like number two on the list of the first game people played, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Sixteen percent of people who bought a Switch first plugged in Mario Kart 8 Deluxe and were playing that, which means they bought it with the system. Which, uh, you know, that's rather thing. If you look at its sales numbers, it sold 1.67 million copies just in January to March. That's like over a year after it came out. Like that's that's kind of nuts. It means that to date the game has sold over 16 million copies it is now the third best-selling entry in the Mario Kart franchise ever and switches you know the game's less than two months two years old well wow. barely but still uh and then Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild they continue to see similar success as well they're lower down the list of first played they're number four and number five respectively but they're chugging along in the sales too Mario Odyssey moved another 670,000 its sales are now at 14.44 million somehow Surprisingly, Breath of the Wild actually sold over a million copies just since January, meaning its lifetime sales are now at twelve point seven seven. But million, but yeah, it's just like it's interesting to see which games people are gravitating towards. Like a bunch of other first party games saw strong uh, strong numbers too. Like Super Mario Party, over six million copies sold since October. I don't remember Mario Party doing quite that well in quite a long time. It's kind of nuts. And then you've got Splatoon two. That's helped the Splatoon series as a whole. So the two games sell thirteen point six. Uh, 4 million copies, which is more than the entirety of the Metroid franchise. That's sad. Is it? It's just surprising. Well, I guess you're more of a Metroid man than a Splatoon man.
1: No, I mean, I guess that's sad that...
0: Sad for Metroid.
1: That Metroid couldn't yeah. pull those numbers. Mm-hmm. Good for Splatoon. I mean, kudos to them. Kudos. Yeah. But.
0: yeah. And if you're curious what like the other games in the top system sellers were, uh, the full list from number 1 to number 5 goes Smash, Mario Kart, Pokemon Let's Go Eevee and Pikachu. Which, uh, interestingly, has sold now 10.63 million copies, which means it's roughly in line with the sales performance of every other remake they've done. Uh, And then you got Breath of the Wild, Mario Odyssey, Super Mario Party, and then one I would not expect, New Super Mario Bros. U. 5% of people who bought a Switch, that was the first game they bought. A launch game from the Wii U in 2012.
1: The 2D Mario platformer. Yeah,
0: I guess so. But yeah, so together, all these games, all these third-party releases, all the indie games, all of it, have helped Nintendo hit a new digital sales record of $900 million in a single fiscal year. Or 100 billion yen, if you want the crazier-sounding number. And uh, it has, like, a trickle-down effect, all the success. I mean, third-party successes continue to roll in. SNK was able to say the other day that their niche release of SNK Heroine's Tag Team Frenzy, you know, that fighting Mm -hmm. game that no one really paid attention to, 300,000 copies sold.
1: That, good or bad.
0: It's pretty good. I mean, I mean for a small town like that... I mean, I
1: mean, after you just drop so many million. No, but think like, about
0: how niche it is, is my point. Yeah. Or like Digital Devolver was just saying the other day that Katana Zero is now the second fastest...
1: But I think it st- isn't that small of a company, isn't What?
0: It? it? These days, it's pretty niche. Um, Their heyday was the 90s. I just picture
1: like, that they were the kind of company that has to make at least a couple million per game for them to be successful. No,
0: I don't think so. I think they're like the scale, the size of like Atlas, AXIS now. Not Atlas, AXIS, since mm-hmm. we were having that debate earlier. But... um. Uh, right, here's a better one, maybe. Digital Devolver was saying that Katana Zero is their second fastest Switch game ever released after Enter the Gungeon. It has already sold hundred thousand copies, that's been out for like a week and it's an indie. That's pretty good. Wow. It uh I didn't realize there was so much like hype around this game. Like it's supposedly a very, very good game. Oh, I didn't yeah. think I, much I was, of I it. I was
1: very tempted to get it when it first came out. Because the yeah. trailer looked very intriguing. It just looked like I mean, I've I've brought up Enter the Gungeon when I was talking about Blazing Beaks. It's kinda like a a different version of it they're very similar but you Enter
0: the Gungeon or you mean Katana Zero Enter the Gungeon oh no I'm saying Katana Zero is apparently a very good game
1: oh I thought you were talking about how well I mean Enter the Gungeon was doing
0: Katana Zero is the second best fastest seller on Switch compared to their previous game Enter the Gungeon oh so they did yeah. both yeah right. or they published both oh alright but yeah apparently um, Katana Zero is actually really good who knew i mean like i i saw it at pax east i didn't play it i saw it in the nindy showcase i didn't really think much of it but people are like totally eating it up it's getting great reviews hmm. i think it's just one of those kind of like super hard platforms where you just rewind and try again but i guess it's just really really well done maybe be worth checking out um GFP. yeah but the, the real point here is though that um all the software success simply means more games for us switch owners Because, like, whether or not Switch becomes the new Wii or the next 3DS or the next DS or its own thing, this shows all these numbers, all this everything shows the market is there. And I think developers and publishers are actually responding to that. Uh, Like, Furukawa pointed out in the briefing that the number of Switch development kits shipped to other publishers by Nintendo is higher than it's been on any other Nintendo platform. Which, considering how many games like the DS and the Wii had... That that says a lot, and we're seeing evidence, evidence of it like every day. I mean, the speed at which announcements are made, it's like night and day from the Wii U days. We used to cover, I feel like in the Wii U days, we used to cover basically every single game announcement, and now we're lucky to be able to even like squeeze in all the biggest names. You know, games like uh, Truck Racing Challenge, which is a very real game based on the very real European Truck Racing Championship, which is a very real thing where souped-up semi-trucks race against each other on very real tracks like Le Mans and the Nurburgring, and now with Truck Racing Challenge on your Switch, you can do that all from home on your TV or on the go in handheld mode. I had no idea this was a thing. Have you ever heard of professional semi truck racing? <laughs> like, what is this? <laughs> it's a thing. It's a thing. But in all seriousness, what I actually mean is little we're getting Little World, Little World, right? But we're actually getting like a lot of real game announcements these days. Like, just not that—that's not real game, but you know, ones that have more buzz. You know, like, just in the last couple weeks, uh, Red Faction Guerrilla was announced for Switch. God Eater 3 was announced for Switch. 13 is being remade on Switch as an HD remake. 13 uh, is actually kind of a weird coincidence because we were just talking about that randomly when we were giving Rico impressions and a, a few episodes ago, and I was saying, oh, the art style is like 13. Remember that self shaded shooter 13 that no one else remembers? Someone remembered because it has an HD remake coming out this fall on Switch. Kind of weird coincidence. But, uh, yeah, there's games like that, and then there was... Persona 5 Scramble, also known as gaming's biggest misunderstanding since, I I don't know, Star Fox Grand Prix being a standalone game and not actually a DLC mode inside Starlink. Which, by the way, is out this Tuesday, April 30th. But anyway, what happened with Persona is that like everyone heard this new Persona 5 S and assumed the S must stand for Switch, since you know, Jokers and Smash Bros and and whatnot, and then further backing that were things like uh, Best Buy's leak listing for the game which also called it persona 5s and the fact that s is literally slapped onto switch games to indicate they're for switch like dragon quest 11 s which is coming this fall for switch and has an s in its name so imagine everyone's surprise when the s did not stand for switch but instead for the longer title a persona 5 scramble the phantom warriors because yes persona 5 is coming to switch but it's a spin-off it's a uh, Musa, uh, Musa, whatever game. It's a High Warrior, Fantasy, High uh, fa- Warriors, Fire Emblem Warriors, Dynasty Warriors, One Punch Warriors, Samurai Warriors, Samurai right, Warriors, uh, Gundam Warriors. Di- no, that one's called something. Dynasty Warriors Gundam Warriors.
1: That one look pretty cool, actually.
0: Yeah, it, it's one of those. Just for Persona, and they do look cool. But like, honest question: Why are there so many of these games? How are there so many of these games?
1: Um. Well. How they've been selling, I mean, I'm sure... They've
0: selling well, clearly, but, like, like, don't get me wrong, they can be fun. Like, I enjoyed Hyrule Warriors back on they're the They're probably EU. really easy to make. Probably. But I, I'm just, I, I just don't understand how there's, like, this insatiable appetite for Warrior games where they're all kind of the same game, just skinned differently.
1: Like, Well, that's because not everyone gets all of them. Everyone truth. just, like... I don't have any, but, I mean, I guess if, like, I were to grab one, I would probably just grab the hybrid warriors one where someone would probably just get the persona one where someone would just get like, yeah, I guess I, I guess it's like different when... pizza topping. They different types of pizzas or blueberries or whatever. Like you have to make one for everything. Yeah. Day.
0: And they all have their own little flourishes. Like, I mean like persona five scramble isn't breaking the mold here, but you, you know, you're still playing through hordes of enemies, um, fire. You know, special no, attacks. Triangle, like, I mean, yeah, but I, I do know that like, um, Persona Five scrambles good, tie in, obviously personas to do special attacks and stuff. So I guess there are some nuances to them for those who but do. But it's not Persona Five. No, it's not. And and that was interesting to watch people's reactions. I. It is weird that we have a game starring Joker of Persona Five, but we don't have Persona Five, and there's I no rivalry. No, essentially
1: to. cloud up until true. And thousands.
0: ultimately, we did get. So maybe maybe. Um, what year did Smash come out? 2014, right? With Cloud. Sure. So maybe in five years we'll get though, Persona really? Five Thanks. on Switch Two, Electric Boogaloo or whatever the system's called.
1: I had no idea it was four mm-hmm. years ago.
0: Oh. Five years ago. Five years ago. Wow. Yeah. Well, five this fall, four and a half right now. But yeah, and don't get me wrong. Like, I'm sure in the same way that Higher Warriors and Fire Emblem Warriors serve as great fan service fodder. Like, I'm sure Persona Five Scramble will do that too. I mean, it's being made by the same people, like Tecmo Koei, or Koei Tecmo, technically. Uh, and I think the dev team's Omega Force, which is, like, the Warriors team. So they should should be okay, but it's just kind of like, why are there so many? It makes no sense. Anyway, I mean, it does make sense. Your pizza analogy is actually pretty good. But, uh, yeah, to ta- I guess to take a bit of a step back, though... Um, I think the key thing about all of this, the, the games from third parties, the sales of Nintendo's own games, the hardware numbers, everything's trending upwards. And maybe at lesser rates than analysts or Nintendo projected, but it's still growing. And that kind of leads to the other half of the financial report, like what comes next. And there's momentum, there's forward trajectory across the board. It's not like, nintendo's failing but if you looked at nintendo's own forecast you would barely know things are actually going well it's probably a knee-jerk reaction uh to the over forecasting they did last fiscal year but now they're arguably under forecasting they're saying they expect to ship only 18 million uh, only they're they're saying they expect see i'm doing it right now by saying only i'm saying a narrative here but they're saying they're expecting to ship 18 million switches from april 1st so this past april through march 31st of next year um, that's a qu- that's following the last quarter where Switch was up 35% and they're only forecasting software sales going up by 5% and that's after they jumped 70% this last fiscal year and investors, they're, they're not having it they're calling the bluff Nintendo's again now stuck in a bad narrative of their own doing they just swung the pendulum the other way and I mean the investors and analysts are mad like Bloomberg and CNBC both put out articles about how angry these folks are that Nintendo's you know, being super conservative about the numbers to the point that doesn't even feel legit and I mean, just, just listen to the fire. This one, like analyst was spitting. He was literally saying the way they guide software growth, it's a mockery of the whole guidance word and the process. The way they're guiding overall software sales to grow only 5% is unreal. It's a joke. It's like, I've never heard analysts be that like angry, mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's so extreme. And according to Bloomberg, Bloomberg, <laughs>
1: Bloomberg, like a robot. Yeah.
0: I to which is why it's not right now. By a out, like, yeah. According to Bloomberg 3000, um, Nintendo stock dropped 5.1 percent after a financials because of yeah, this. Should. Because of this, well, as they should. Yeah, Nintendo should be a little more honest. Like Nintendo being so conservative, playing it so safe, it's leaving a negative impression on folks. Like, wait, are they either like scared it's not going to work, or are they like are they too scared to give a real projection? Do they know something we don't? Like, why why is it so low? Bloomberg Bloomberg and their Bloomberg together, uh, they ran some. I guess they have different models and predictions and whatnot. They have 10 different scenarios of
1: Scientific experiments?
0: Essentially. Bloomberg's really their Frankenstein, and Bloomberg is really Dr. Victor Bloomberg, and his job is to build Bloomberg, who then gives these predictions. All right. But uh, no, he was saying that, uh, or he, they, have like some model where there are 10 different scenarios where they could see Nintendo's numbers landing for next year. Only one of those scenarios was as low as what Nintendo said. So, like, it's not even realistic, basically. But Nintendo doesn't want to, like, ruffle any feathers or cause another bad narrative. So they were like, well, we'll bite the bullet on the better narrative now, so it's better in a year, I guess. But what I don't understand is, like, why do they need to bite the bullet to this extreme? I get playing it safe. I get losing some confidence after missing this year's goals. But they have so much working in their favor for his fiscal year. They have significantly more games releasing. And more of the point, they've got the Switch Mini, or well, the Switch, the light Switch, as I like to call it. Uh, that's coming down the pipe, and that's bound, you know that that's bound to do well. Um, I should clarify that that's coming down the pipe, according to everyone but Nintendo themselves. Like literally everyone. I mean, granted, it's not official until it's official. But word uh, word from Nintendo is that they're always working on hardware. They have no plans to announce any at E three this year. That's what Furcau said, uh, and that that to me is very much not a no. That is very much dodging a question more than anything else. Because yes, one report, I think it was the Wall Street Journal, said it we could see the Switch Mini or the light switch revealed at E3. But like, let's be honest, when was the last time in time revealed hardware at E3? They've done it before E3. They've done it as soon as a week after E3. I don't know if you remember back in 2012. They literally, seven days later, E3 ended and they're like, hey, here's the 3DS XL. And what's funny about that is going into that E3 in 2012, they denied that they were going to have a larger 3DS coming out. And then right after the show, they're like, hey, just kidding, here it is. So it's not like is saying it won't be revealed at E3, meaning it won't be revealed at all. He's just literally saying it won't be revealed at E3 when Nintendo has a history of revealing things around E3. So, yeah, I don't think they're actually denying it. They're not actually denying it. They're very careful what they're wearing. And, I mean, all the evidence is there for this thing to happen every major publication, the Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg, Japan's Nikkei, all are saying it's going to be out by the end of June. Like, regardless of what form a cheaper Switch takes, clamshell, Joy-Cons attached, no HD rumble, who knows, it's the one thing they all seem to agree on, is that it's out by the end of June. In fact, Nikkei, after Nintendo put out their denial of an E3 reveal, doubled down and posted another story saying, it's out by the end of June. So, yeah, it seems like this is a real thing that's well, happening.
1: I mean, how far out before they put a console on the shelves What's the, like, what's the shortest they've ever gone on from so announcement Nintendo does.
0: Show? Nintendo traditionally does a couple months. But what's interesting is, like, if they're really shooting for June, as every publication under Sun is saying, I would normally say I can't imagine it happening after E3. Like, historically, hardware shadow drops at E3 don't work. I'm looking at you, Sega. When they did the Saturn, like, hey, it's on shelves now, and no one knew and the thing bombed. But, like, and, and, like, even if you go look at Nintendo's history, like, I was just saying the 3DS XL was announced the week after E3, didn't come out to August that year, so there's usually a couple months lead time. But, times are kind of different now, honestly. Like, because of how the internet works, and news on the internet, I feel like a couple weeks notice isn't as bad as it was in the 90s. They can announce it any time the week of June 17th, which is right after E3. And they can have it out on shelves next to Mario Maker 2, which now has a release date of June 28th. And I think that would be fine. It's the announcement strategy that Apple's used for way more expensive products for years. And it's always worked. You know, they announce an iPhone. It's, out, it's up for pre-order that Friday. It's out the next week. And, like, Samsung's doing the same thing now, too. So if there were ever a time for Nintendo to do a rapid turnaround post-E3, it, it'd be now, I'd say. But then again, Nintendo, as of this recording, also has 44 days until the start of E3. So they have time beforehand to do it, too, if they want. So... I don't know like it, it all the evidence certainly points to it happening in june like it's not a coincidence that mario maker 2 is coming out june 28th and then right after that they have a solid lineup i mean it really feels like they're lining up for a launch because kind of out of nowhere we're getting three major first party releases within 30 days we got mario maker 2 on june 28th marvel ultimate alliance 3 now on july 19th and as we already knew fire Emblem three houses on july 28th that's a lot of games in a season when nintendo used to only release a single game so, that seems suspicious. And I feel like Mario Maker 2 is probably the most obvious tell. I mean, it's Mario. It always does well. And Nintendo's a big fan of tying in 2D Marios with handheld revisions, specifically during the summer months, oddly enough. Like, they did it with the original New Super Mario Bros and the DS Lite. Uh... Those launched about two weeks apart in a May and a June, a, uh, way back in the day, 2006, I think. And then they did again with New Super Mario Bros. 2 and the 3DS XL when they launched in August of 2012. So they've done this before. They know this pairing works. And I feel like that's maybe more of a tell than anything else. Although, actually, Nintendo's doing, unrelated to that, Nintendo's doing some interesting stuff with Mario Maker 2.
2: Like what? They're
0: not just doing the game by itself, at least in every region but here. Here in the States, they or everywhere else, Europe and Japan and Australia they announced plans for a special edition that will come with a one-year Switch Online subscription, presumably for level sharing, and a stylus for use with the game. Which are, like, pretty nice perks if you're a current Switch owner, but think about how practical those are if you're, say, launching it a new light switch, and, why, and right off the bat, you want to have your first game have, like, shiny, free online play for a year, and maybe a stylus because the screen's smaller, and you need to be able to touch all the little icons better. Like, it's just it, it it would be a nice coincidence should that happen. I don't know if that necessarily means it will, but it is kind of an interesting coincidence. Um, personally, I'm kind of just excited to see the stylus come back. I kind of like Nintendo using styluses. I mean, obviously it's going to be one of those rubber-tipped ones.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, like, too but it looks like one of the rubber tip ones. It's for sure. Which aren't but really as good. that great to use. But so, like, but they don't feel good to use.
0: But there are like some cool things Nintendo Joe's styluses that are hard to do without them. I mean, and third parties. I mean, like, Kirby Canvas Curse, yeah, I could drag your finger, but you're covering a bigger chunk of the screen if they ever make a new one. Like, even the Wii U one used the stylus. Or, like, Brain Age, it's hard to write numbers mm-hmm. with your Weed hand. Leapy agents. Leapy I mean, no,
1: With a screen that big, using your finger should be serviceable. Well, but it's a smaller screen on the Mini. I mean, assuming that even exists. It it does. It's just, I continue to You don't have think it exists? It no. definitely exists.
0: They didn't even say it doesn't exist. They just said they're not going to announce it at E3.
1: I mean, it doesn't exist until Nintendo confirms it.
0: I, don't know, I would trust three of the biggest financial newspapers in the world, but
1: okay. Yeah, what they, what what cl- what kind of clout do they have?
0: Um, they're three of the biggest financial newspapers in the world. That's the clout they have.
1: But yeah, but I, they're I, no trust. They're no more trustworthy than me than some random YouTuber at this point.
0: All right, fine. Well, the broader point here is that all these ducks are in a row, pointing to like a light switch coming out sooner rather than later. I mean, ignore those guys. Besides, even this that. The summer lineup, three games in a month, that's unlike Nintendo. And then right after, you know, later in the year, we have Pokemon Sword and Shield, which interestingly, in the briefing, Furukawa described as being designed as handheld first. And Switch, up to this point, has been marketed as a console you take on the go. You can easily flip that for a light switch to be a handheld you can plug into your TV. Like, it's, it, it's a subtle but notable change in the marketing. And um, one, one thing that pairs well with all this even more is there was a report recently of the 3DS dying off sooner rather than later Nintendo basically admitted it to Kotaku they said there are no new first party games coming to the 3DS which is something we noticed in the, in the last financial report in January like we, we pretty much called it but it's now official Nintendo's actually saying it and they didn't mention in the financial briefing at all the 3DS they uh, they didn't really talk about the numbers I mean the 3DS hardware sales are down 60% software sales are down 62% year over year like this thing this thing's dead. The best-selling game of the past fiscal year on 3DS was Mario Kart 7, and that sold 150,000 units. That's half what SNK was able to sell on their fighting game that I was saying was impressive. So, And that's their top-selling 3DS game, Mario Kart 7. So, you know, being down 60% in hardware still means it sold 2.55 million. It's not like there's not money on the table here. But they're, they're writing out what's left of the inventory. This thing's done. I mean, separately... Reports came out of Spain recently that at least Nintendo of Europe is encouraging all retailers to get rid of their 2DS inventory to sell it off by summer. Okay. Again, summer is when Light Switch is supposed to come out. June.
1: The 3DS to be a legacy random. system.
0: But, but that, there's more evidence. If you don't like the financial stuff, how about that? How about all the games lined up? How about 3DS dying? How about Switch firmware 8.0 that just came out?
2: Hmm.
0: One of the big features in 8.0 is the ability to transfer individual game saves between devices without needing the Switch Online cloud.
1: Now why would it need an update like that?
0: Exactly. It doesn't make sense if you're a uh, family console where everyone has an account on it together. But it does make sense if you are a family console where everyone has an account on it together. But now you're branching off into individual handheld first iterations perfect for kids that each have their own. Like this is all lining up too well to not be true. Like, I really, I think the question about light switch isn't the what, the why, or the when at this point. It's when does it become official. It goes back to your question. of What's the latest they can announce it? What's the earliest they can announce it? I think they could realistically do it in the 44 days going into E3. I think they could pull off doing it right after E3. But if they do announce it before E3, you've got to wonder why they didn't just do it at the financial briefing. Like, that's when they did the 3DS XL years ago so there's precedent and um my best guess is that they just didn't have a need to because yes the numbers came up short and perhaps the forecast is too low as a result but they tackled two topics that investors are probably way more interested in china and mobile so china there's not a huge amount of say because like it's more of a business thing but leading up to the briefing nintendo made the surprise announcement they're working with tencent to get switch out in china there's no real time frame for when, and for us fans, it doesn't really mean much, except you know, there's a huge new marketplace, which maybe means more games. Like Tencent is on Switch with Arena of Valor. Who knows what other games could come? But because of the lack of a time frame, Nintendo didn't include it in its forecasts. It makes a certain amount of sense. You know, if they, if they can't say it's going to happen this year, they're not going to count it towards their numbers. But Tencent in general is a huge player in the gaming space. Like, they actually are the biggest video game company in the world. I don't know if you knew that because they have their hand in everything they have stakes in Miniclip and Epic Games and Activision Blizzard and Ubisoft plus they completely own Riot Games meaning they completely own um, Riot League of Legends and by having a stake in Epic I think it's a 40% stake they have a big chunk of Fortnite so they're a biggie for Nintendo to team up with um, but I think perhaps more directly relevant to us is what Nintendo is doing with their mobile plans for next fiscal year which is kind of the last bucket of news in this episode and in, in the past fiscal year, they brought in about $412 million in mobile revenue. That's 70, That's 17% higher than the year prior. So they're doing all right. But it makes sense because, like, you know, they went from having, like, one or two apps to having now four, uh, RIP Mitomo. Which is pretty crazy. Didn't even get a shout-out.
1: It's living in a world where Nintendo has phone apps.
0: And they got more, too. That's just crazy because, uh, I mean, for a call, it was a bit light on details. But it sounds like the plan is for mobile is to just keep doing what they're doing, but more of it. It's literally what they do with their IP strategy too. It's just like keep pumping it out. Keep licensing new things. Keep doing Uniqlo collaborations. They're on like their third one now. Um, but yeah, what actually translates to is, yeah, like you're saying, more apps. We're getting Mario Kart Tour. We're getting Dr. Mario World. They're both on the way. Um, and even existing apps they are like tweaking to make the best they can be. Like remember good old Dragalia Lost, which we haven't played. I haven't played in forever. When's the last you, time you even played it?
1: Mm, two days ago.
0: Really? Yeah. Because of the Fire Emblem thing?
1: Thing? okay, maybe not. No, I just randomly decided to check it out. Well, you came at the right time because then, they're doing a lot in Dragalia yeah, I lost. went in there and then I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't Brawl Stars, and then I went out.
0: Oh, uh, you pressed the wrong icon. I see, but yeah, they uh, it, it's interesting because Dragalia Lost they're actually like changing it up, they're adjusting monetization schemes, they're adding new promotions. Um, this newest one's kind of cool, it, I was sort of saying it already, but. It's very transparent what they're doing here, but it's kind of cool. They're doing a crossover between Dragalia Lost and Fire Emblem Heroes, which, you know, Fire Emblem's Nintendo's biggest mobile hit by a long shot. Um, presumably they're doing this to siphon some of the Heroes fan base into Dragalia Lost as well, but they're, they're coinciding all this with permanent price reductions on both of the in-game currencies. They're removing an entire layer of what's required to summon Heroes, and then they're going one step farther and refunding folks who had duplicate Heroes some of what they spent so they can then go spend that money in a new shop that will give them new heroes they want so they're really kind of paying a reset button what here kind of them? yeah it's cool i mean ultimately you know it's about keeping the player base happy it keeps revenue flowing long term so i'm sure the timing of this with a presumable influx of fire emblem players is not coincidence but it is cool that they're like looking long term with regalia they're not being like crazy greedy and if nothing else, honestly, it gives me hope that Mario Kart's free-to-play scheme, whatever that's going to be, may not be too crazy. Like, perhaps Nintendo, you know, Nintendo is clearly learning from Jugello Lost. They're comfortable making changes. And I think that that's a good sign for Mario Kart Tour. The other good sign is they're doing a limited beta for Android users, unfortunately. As an iPhone user, I say boo. Uh, for if Android folks, it's great. You must folks, know someone, great, Jason but...
1: with an Android that will let you play it. What? You must know someone with an Android that will let you
0: play it. Uh, yeah, but in the beta you'll see, that's the thing, it's a limited beta but, but I do like the idea of the beta because like one of the main goals of the beta is going to be to make sure the money making schemes are balanced well and received well so this is a way to get feedback to kind of avoid having to adjust layer like Dragalia, the only thing is we don't know what the actual gameplay will be still, like it's kind of amazing how many times Nintendo has talked about it Mario Kart Tour without actually telling us anything about Mario Kart Tour
1: Especially considering how weird that game sounds as a mobile game. Like, like that's the one I'm really curious about. Just to know what it even is. Do you have
0: any new ideas of what it could be? Because I feel like every time we talk about it, we come up with a different crazy idea. So far, we've done it tracks your driving and makes it competitive. We've done, it's actually a kart racing team management game. And I think we've done, it's just a normal racing game.
1: I guess the only other thing we haven't covered is, um, it's a pure augmented reality experience. You pointed at your floor. Because you know how AR. Air technology is pretty advanced at this point. Yeah. So you just pretty much drive little remote control cars of all the players around your room, around like Mario Kart everywhere, basically. Mm. So it's like remote control toys lot more remote control toys. And if you're playing with other people locally, I guess they should be able to communicate with those phones so that they can actually produce the other carts. So you could potentially race. It's almost like doing slot cars, but everyone's doing it virtually and looking kind of weird. Like you're walking by them and you see like these four people staring down at I guess if they were great, but they're actually racing.
0: What you're describing is what Apple would call the perfect keynote demo of an AR experience. I That feels like something that I would could see Nintendo doing. I could see them doing it because Apple's like, yeah, AR, it'll be great. You should do it. But excluding like Pokemon's AR, which I don't even have AR on, I can't think of a single I when AR occurs. I
1: only want to take pictures
0: right exactly yeah. I, and besides that like, I can't think of a single AR experience that's really like blown up
1: I saw one oh, well, it hasn't blown up because I don't even think it's available to the public or going to be made available but when I was at GDC mm-hmm. there was a the shirt of which you're wearing on... right now on... well
0: you're wearing well, Unity but same
1: when I was at, when I was walking by Google's booth they had like a fenced off area where they had four people playing Pac-Man and on their phones they had like a pack like a giant Pac-Man plastic thing attached to them but What did that do? And they were just looking through the phone. They were carrying it up to their faces. And they were catching pellets that were all virtually augment, virtually created in the real world. So they were, like, you just walking around catching all the pellets using the Pac-Man as, huh. a, as a way to, I guess, add some immersion. But there were four other people playing that same game with them, competing for huh. the same pellets. So it was actually, like, keeping track of those pellets. So it's like, oh, i got to get to that pellet before other people do. Because... It's almost like, I guess I guess the equivalent would be like four people with metal detectors trying to find the most metal on the ground. Because everyone has the tools to find these pellets, but they're not straight up visible. You have to find them with your camera. So
0: it's cooperative Pokemon Go. Well, competitive, because you're competing. Oh, you're competing. So. so it's competitive Pokemon Go.
1: I guess it'd be like if in Pokemon Go... But more you real-time. Have to, you have to play in AR mode, Yeah, and the Pokemon only appear... There's only... The number of Pokemon is actually limited, so if you see a Charmander, you have to go get it before someone else does. Because yeah, here, here's the thing. But that's, what, like, that, that's like, what I feel like the Mark Kart could be just like. There's just four people idea. doing slot cars, but it's all virtual.
0: The thing that always I find difficult, like the pill because they've already exhausted the better idea. Right, right. Through. I only find the pill I find difficult to swallow with VR, AR. Sorry, is that every demo that apple does that like google does that everyone does is i was like look they're all gonna crowd around a table and what's gonna happen on a table the table's gonna come to life there's a jungle on the table and as you walk around the table collectively like look you can find the gorillas or some like weird thing that no or like oh you're battling like ships or yada yada but like no one has there ever been an experience in the real world where people are like let's crowd around a table and stare through our phone screens at a virtual world no you need like batting, something like, our like- ships what
1: battling our shit
0: or whatever oh it may be it's just an example oh, i'm just saying like there's no
1: virtual okay.
0: like something like that could work if you're gonna play it anyway but like this idea of like this selling point of ar always being like like even your mario kart idea it's like how many people are gonna be like on a regular basis hey let's play that slot card game where we all awkwardly cower over the floor all through different viewpoints from our phones and watch each other's little cars from your phone like it the ones that work it's stuff like I, – I think the Pac-Man one can actually work. But the ones that work are the ones that feel a little more, like, natural. You know what I mean? Like Pokemon Go, you mostly were just walking around and you'd point at something and take it and that'd be it. And maybe it's been normalized now and that's why it feels more natural. But even when they first rolled it out, it did not feel as, like, cringy as, like, hey, let's yeah. all go explore the Aztec Temple by putting our phones at the table and then waiting for the, the, the god of whatever to pop out. And then we shoot him with a laser. Like basically, it's like so many people are selling the demo idea of what Face Raiders was on the DS, on the 3DS I when it I first came out. Though. It was fun, but how many times did you play it?
1: A good number of times.
0: After a year, after six months, after three months, did you um, ever go back to it?
1: Only to show it to new people.
0: Right, that's the most these AR games can be, unless it's something that feels more natural. So the Slot Car one, me, uh, I it's don't pretty see pretty that one what, being which yeah, is
1: pretty much what One to Switch turned into. Exactly, like, it's like the game you only play you when there's someone. Yeah, in the group that has never played it.
0: It's frankly what Labo to bring this out so full circle. It's frankly what Labo VR is. You are showing people look at this cool little thing Nintendo built. That's kind of the end of that. But yeah, I don't know. Like I think, I think AR is going to have some issues unless it's something more. Like the Pac Man one sounds cool because you're still kind of like doing your own thing and it, you're not all crowding around a space. But the ones we have to crowd around in space just always seem weird. But then again, you never know what's going to work. Like Something yeah, like Jackbox. I mean, well,
1: Pac-Man, you're literally competing for space. And yeah. the proposed Mario Kart 1, you're not. You're, you're just, sharing the space. You're and competing just,
0: within the space. I
1: mean, you could be sitting down on a couch in the living room and play, like, But not
0: fully, because you have to make sure your phone's angled correctly to see the AR. That's the, that's the problem.
1: How? I Because mean, you have to have a, it, people, a flat surface, it and like then an you obstacle. hold it over. What? I mean that seems like the easiest thing you could avoid like any living room for the most part it's like oh just move your coffee table there you go you have more than enough space I don't think it's going to catch on the
0: same way I don't think that people are like oh yeah I'll do VR for majority of people oh yeah I'll do VR for hours at a time catch on. I just, think it, you yeah. can
1: easily get it to work oh it will work that's a whole different let thing, me rephrase
0: yeah. work in terms of uh, being a success versus work technology wise yes. oh. oh for sure technology wise it can work I mean like will people actually do it I oh, no. don't know yeah
1: People are are lazy by Exactly.
0: Like, the same thing. Like, what I was going to say about VR. Like, no one's like, yeah, let me just go in. Some people are. But the mass market, common consumer is not like, let me just put on this helmet for three hours, disconnect from the world, not be able to eat a snack, not be able to answer the phone. You know, like, it's path of least resistance is what does best. That's why something like Jackbox works so well. Like, in concept, the idea of like, oh, Hey, we have this game, but you all need to like do it separately sounds kind of crazy, but it's like just go to a website and enter a code and you're in like you don't have to like crowd around a little virtual bald man in the middle of your table who tells you trivia like it's all like you can still do it with individual devices you just it's the crowding around and all having to like be in like a fake close space that I think is what does in a lot of the AR stuff which is like Pokemon work because you could do it in groups you can do it whatever but you're sort of separate so We'll see. But yeah, I don't know what Mario Kart Tour will actually be, but I do think it's very strange that Nintendo has not, like, told anyone or said anything. I mean, it's like. It kind of reminds me of what's been going on with Atlas and Persona 5. What's the new one? Royals? Is that what it's called? I
1: wonder if um, Mario Kart will be. I think it'd be cool, like, if it just uses all sprite graphics just to differentiate itself for some reason, but. I
0: don't know. You know it won't. That would be cool. Actually, you know what would be kind of cool? Paper Mario it. Sprite graphics and. Speedy worlds.
1: Hmm.
0: Actually, I might look kind of funky. I don't know. It would differentiate it from all the other games on oh, iPhone. Oh, when
1: you say paper Mario, thought you meant paper? Other? They mean like um? Octopath.
0: Yeah, that's a bad example.
1: Yeah. Because that's literally what you. That's, that's like,
0: literally what I meant. Yeah. H two D hd H D two D whatever they called mm. it. But now I think about maybe all sprites would be better because like you're right. It doesn't. It would stand. It needs to stand out, especially since there's so many kart racers and stuff and asphalt racing games on iPhone. Literally, there's like twelve asphalt games. Wow. No. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do, I do find it weird. What I was starting to say is, like, is it called Royals, the new Persona 5 spinoff? That's not Scramble, like the other one, like the souped up version? Persona R? Yeah. Persona 5R. I think it's Royals. Um, that's
1: for Royals. Yeah.
0: They keep, like, this is what I feel like Nintendo's doing. They keep with royal Every time that they announce something about Persona 5R, they're like, here's the smallest information. Now, check back. In a month, we'll have more. And then you come back in a month and they're like, here's one more little thing. Now, like the rate it keeps going, you know, like we're going to announce a game. They're like, here's the title in a month. We'll show you a screenshot. And then, you know, but they don't say it. There's like in a month, see it all. And it's like, here's a screenshot. I feel like like that game is getting to the point where I'm half expecting people to buy it. And there's no game inside the box. There's just a little post-it that says like, find out more on May 1st, 2020 or like something like that. Like that's what Mario Kart feels like is what's going on with the persona game right now. It's just like, I don't know why Nintendo's being so like mysterious about it. I mean, we should find out more soon, They're like very real info
1: about, the game about games.
0: mobile games. It seems, but yeah, I mean, we we should know more soon. The beta kicks off May twenty second, um, and given how hard it is to get average folks to stay quiet about something, I'm sure it's going to leak if Nintendo doesn't properly reveal it with some sort of official look. I mean, remember how much of, like Pokemon Go we saw when the closed beta was going on; we saw a lot of it. So, who knows? But it does beg, beg like a bigger question of. Um, so we have Mario Kart. We have Doctor Mario. Where did Zelda go? And what other games are they even going to bring to mobile? Because they're saying they're going to keep doing what they're doing, they're going to double down, you know. if They they seem to do about three games a year. We have two of the three, so we're going to need to start filling in the blanks here. Zelda was rumored for a while, while she Street to reported it. I imagine it'd be a kind of Phantom Hourglass-ish game where you use your finger.
1: Well, the thing is how simple yet deep roster this, I could actually see that template working really well for like a Smash Brothers equivalent.
0: Oh, really like a spinoff?
1: Yeah, like literally this exact same game, just like a, just adapt it. Just how like like Hyrule Warriors it. Or so, or Cadence
0: of Hyrule It, where is by the way, spring oh, community release date. Like,
1: literally all the characters are there just like just make some characters rare, very rare, super rare, ultra rare. And it's like I mean, that, that's pretty much how you would make that game. That's a long time. It's like, oh, I don't, I don't have Bowser. I just haven't gotten him randomly from the little box. Mm-hmm. Or I could wait for him to pop up in the store and buy him with jewels. If I save up enough jewels or I just, just pay money at that point. But, well, that,
0: that almost like... Should it be like Brawl Stars or should it go back to our idea we had a few years ago of um, a Smash Bros. RPG of sorts, but on mobile? Like a turn-based something or other. I, mean, I guess Brawl Stars would be there for sure. I mean,
1: I mean there were two, but... Um, I mean... Brawl Stars works better for... Well, I mean, that's just the more... If, if you just want to fill an action-y game... Yeah, that would do that. Because, I mean, obviously RPG-style games work better on mobile because you don't actually have to...
0: They're more time-consuming, but they don't require as much like, active engagement. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I mean, you could make it not time-consuming somehow, I mean, but... Granted,
0: when we talked about Smash RPG, we were talking about as but an mobile
1: game. But... but when you play games like Brawl Stars and, like, to a lesser extent, Hearthstone, like, you pretty much have to dedicate all your attention to your phone at that point so if you're like on the bus and you're like alright I think I have enough time to play one match mm-hmm. like you most likely you will but there's also the chance like you might go like alright I'll do one more and then all of a sudden you have to stop and then I guess you have to get off as you're looking at your phone because all right. the games are ranked so yeah I mean, there, and then what well, if you always, collide with a little woman a, and kill her that's always outside yeah, yeah I, what was Smash RPG for us no
0: it wasn't it wasn't an RPG it was Smash Herstone it was Smash Herstone that's right with
1: cards they could still do that, but, yeah, but I am, yeah. Well, just Nintendo, a Nintendo card game.
0: I wonder, like, if they could adapt Pikmin in some way. That seems like a franchise that's ripe to get, like, some extra attention. But I don't really know how they would do it. Me neither. it also have to be, like, a StarCraft sort of deal. But you use touch.
1: Oh, yeah, that would be, well, there are already StarCraft-ish games on, mm-hmm. I mean, there's Castle Burn on mobile that is literally StarCraft. Just Simplified, so... I mean, that could work with Pikmin. I mean, you have to get your... Your fuel to build more Pikmin. Build up your armies. Get your stronger Pikmin. Send them out. Blah, blah, blah. Could work. Or Maybe you'll just go totally left field and be like, Hey, I remember mean, Custom Robo? <laughs> or something. I mean, kind of like how they did with Cadence of Hyrule. I would love to see, like, Pikmin on mobile or whatever. Yeah. Actually, whatever got the by Blizzard. Like, they act like they actually do. Can you imagine the exploding ha- I mean, head? Or maybe they actually let, um... That seems like it'd be better for Switch, honestly. Well, I mean, for whatever console, but yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, but on Nintendo, they would put it on iOS because it's never quite exactly what we want. It's always... That's true. They're like always... Parallels. It's like two
0: step forward, one step back with every single thing they do. And then
1: maybe they let Supercell actually make the Smash Brothers, I guess, Smash Stars or whatever they right, call
0: it. Right, Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... um, It is fine with Nintendo. It is always two step forward, one step back, which I feel like is kind of like the best way of summing up the financial report we talked about. Like... Or not really two-step forward, one-step back, but just, like, they always do something slightly off. In this case, what they did was they didn't actually announce anything. Like, really, the takeaway of the entire financial report was just, like, soon. You're gonna find out more soon. Like, instead of announcing things at the briefing, like, in the past, they sort of left an air of mystery to it all. And only through leaks and teases do we have any sense of what's actually about to happen. But between, like, the inevitable light switch reveal, I think it's inevitable. I know you don't. Uh, The Mario Kart Tour beta, and of course, you know, E3 coming up, there's a good amount of juicy news in the next couple of months and of course we will be covering all of it here on the podcast and that concludes the news but before we go we have two contest winners to crown um, unless there's anything else you want to add in any other news topic before we even crown our contest winners nothing about Resident Evil for once I'm shocked
1: um, I don't know I'm tempted to get Resident Evil on the Switch cause why not at this point but wait which which, which one the collection, uh, The Resident Evil collection, yeah, digital, yeah, the zero and one basically, but I don't know, it's it's a tough it's a tough decision. Why,
0: why is it tough?
1: <laughs> because part of me wants to get it on Switch just to have it because it was I mean it's like right there, but then also the PlayStation's right there, so it's like I could just buy it now and not wait.
0: So you're... let me not wait. It's already out on Switch, isn't it?
1: I don't know. I could to know the internet. That? I could have only thought of the coming soon
0: Resident Evil Zero Switch or four, but uh, May twenty first. You're right, huh? May twenty first is that when Revelations came out on the Wii U back in the day. I don't know why I remember that so well. Yeah, i like if you say so. <laughs> yeah, that 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 was weird. But uh, um, then
1: I realized also, like, I mean, Resident Evil Two exists. So I guess I could just play that. You are a man of few things. I mean, you... God of
0: War, Smash Bros, Resident Evil Two, and Brawl Stars.
1: I mean, just the flavor of the year.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, eventually it'll probably go to to whatever Phoenix Wright Attorney Game or whatever Capcom Well, the trilogy's wants.
0: back out on Switch now.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I've also had that same trilogy on HD and on my iPad True. or whatever. True. They're the same one.
0: But, should, yeah. should we uh, crown some winners? If you want. Okay. So last episode, for those who don't know, for our 200 episode, we asked you guys to share your favorite micro game from the warrior wear series and the original game you know it had 200 micro games so I felt right that that's the prompt we do for our 200th episode it was random enough just like warrior wear and uh we got a variety of sponsors that cover I think the whole series or at least the vast majority of it um we had people highlighting one from smooth moves, like the uh, like the one where you had to like let go of the remote, they thought that you know, the Wii remote, they thought that was really cool. There were two shout outs to Cyclone Kick from WarioWare Twisted, which is the one where Wario's in the middle, and you have the like people closing it around him and you spin the Game Boy to send his leg three hundred sixty sweep around him. Um, spoiler if you don't know how these games unfold, now you know the pro tip of what to do. Uh, and there's also someone called out the arrow throwing game in Game of Wario where you had the Wii U and the gamepad or the Wii U gamepad in the TV and you flick the arrow to the TV like that was kind of cool you're finding like the Mech Warriors Me, yeah, the mech warrior. although to be fair it's not quite a micro game but it's the closest thing the Wii U ever got to one because we never got proper WarioWare um, and then, of course there are nods to the 9 volt retro games from throughout the series and a number of votes for none other than Gold Digger the WarioWare staple the nose picking game um, but yeah I mean what would you we didn't it's funny because we're like what's everyone's favorite WarioWare but we never really talked about it what, what, do you have a favorite micro game in WarioWare? Or a favorite WarioWare? Or a favorite category of games? Uh
1: I mean it's really hard to pick favorite micro game, but my favorite WarioWare would probably have to be um touched. Why
0: think. is that over the others? Because it just clicked.
1: Um it rubbed me the right way.
0: Well done. Well done. I have a specific micro game I wanted to call out. Um you remember in WarioWare Twisted? First of all, WarioWare Twisted was so cool because it was so out there at the time. Like, like I do like that every WarioWare game has been some sort of, basically, tech demo. Like, obvi- honestly, like if they did a Labo VR WarioWare, I'd be all about it. But, um, yeah, there's all been some sort of like just series of what you can do with the technology. But Twisted was cool because, like, you didn't really have motion control in that, or gyro control quite to that extent. Like, yeah, like, tilt and Tumble and stuff. But, you know, nothing of that scale. That's and yeah, and Topsy Turvy I think, came out after it maybe. But but there was one micro game in it specifically. I think it was like the first it was the nine volt boss microgame. And they took the entirety of Mario Level One One and they spun it in a circle and you had to navigate it, rotating your Game Boy. And that's a that's very really cool. I also have to give a shout out to the the one uh well, what's it called? Poyoro, Poyoro, Poyo Poyo? Sure it has an R, doesn't it, somewhere? I don't think so. Well, anyway, that's what the little bird that eats the bean. Oh, you
1: mean just bean?
0: No, it's called like Poi. It, it had a separate mode in the Game Boy Advance one. Like, mean,
1: that's, like, that's probably the name of the bird, but I remember I think the game is just called Bird and Bean.
0: No, that's the DSiWare spinoff, and that's why I was going to shout it out. Here's what's crazy about it. It was a micro game that became a mini game that became a standalone game, all from a five second game. Like, that's cool that they were able to flesh it out like that. I think it's called Poi. I think you your wait for it. Uh, yeah, it's P-Y-O-R-O. And it had sequels and other versions of WarioWare. Like, it became a whole, like, little franchise inside the franchise, and I don't quite know why they changed the name to Bird and Bean for, uh, DSiWare, but whatever. Uh, apparently it was only changed in North America, according to the internet. In Japan, it was still Pyoro 2. But anyway, so those are two I watched. shout-out. Um, we do have to pick a winner, though. Like, with all those microgame submissions, only two people can actually walk away as winners, each gang one eShop credit. So we threw everyone's name in a hat. And the winners are John Bonmon and Mel. So congratulations to to you. John Bonmon mentioned, actually, coincidentally, he mentioned the same Twisted WarioWare game that I was thinking of. And uh, Mel referenced Fries with that, which is a micro game, you may recall, where you had to squirt ketchup onto uh, fries and burgers. And then, as she pointed out, as the game gets more advanced, um, you also have to avoid milkshakes and drinks and whatnot. So so the, the two of you Paul Mel or not Paul John Bauman and Mel sorry had the wrong comment up on the screen um, keep an eye on your inbox your eShop codes will be coming soon and to everyone else thanks for entering um, you never know when we might do our next contest so be sure to follow and subscribe to us everywhere so you don't miss the opportunity we're on Twitter at Ram Nintendo. we're on YouTube our channel is RamNintendo.com you can find us on Stitcher iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts TuneIn Spotify I'm forgetting some we talk about birds and beans. There's a podcast out called Podbean. You can find us there. It has a real thing. Um, and yeah, it's a good way not just to know about contests, but stay in the loop about our additional episodes, the next one of which arrives on May 11th. That day significant because you know what else is May 11th? It's the opening weekend of Detective Pikachu, which... Uh
1: and we'll be watching
0: yeah given my obsession with that movie even though I haven't even seen it yet I bought an $85 art book for a movie I haven't seen yet but given that obsession I think you could probably guess at least one thing we'll be talking about that episode um, um,
1: that's, uh, that's a fandom for you
0: it it really is um, in the meantime though there is another big movie you should all go see in this two week gap uh, the, the one with the superheroes I don't want to spoil anything so I'm not going to say the name but you should go see that because it's pretty, it's pretty good we saw it You thought? It was, what did you think of it pretty good that was okay Okay, you got an okay and a pretty good, but pretty good, I actually really liked it.
1: I mean, my me so, may vary. Yeah. If you like the MCU movie, then you'll probably like it. If you don't really care for them, then you probably won't get it. Well, that. yeah, you're not
0: going to get anything out of it if you've never seen one, that's for sure, or if you don't if like anything,
1: them. If anything, you'll get even less out of it because…
0: It's a lot of fan service.
1: It's a lot of non-exposition that was already exposited in <laughs> In <movies. laughs> the last 22 movies, yeah.
0: But anyway, so we'll leave it at that. We will see you guys in two weeks on May 11th. For our Lord and Savior just Pikachu's to Pikachu the rival on earth.